Father, thank you that as we sing, as we lift melody before you, Lord, by faith we understand your ear is here, that you receive and are pleased. Lord, uh, there is so much in this world, so much in our own flesh, and so much the enemy would throw at us that would get us to doubt and fear, to lose heart, and to live in discouragement. And yet, Lord, you call us to live, to walk by faith. And so, um, as I see just the urgency and the importance of this chapter, and as we begin now to conclude the book of Hebrews, um, Lord, help us all the more to get the message. We don't have an old sacrificial system to be tempted back by, or it's not about the rituals of the temple that draw our attention, but Lord, we have those stumbling blocks in our lives, those strongholds of religion that we were raised in, or Lord, even bad doctrine that was somehow um, programmed into our computers, Lord, when we were so young and, and, Lord, moldable. And now we need you as the master potter to truly form us into vessels of honor that in every way glorify you and follow, walk, and example faith in our lives. Faith in you, Jesus. And so we lift even this prayer to you, believing that you're hearing, you're going to answer, and we are going to be more transformed into your image as we now obey what your word says to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. So our author, who we know is the Holy Spirit, right? He's been emphasizing the superiority of Jesus Christ in all things, in anything, Spiritually getting our souls to heaven. Like there is no other way except Jesus. He said it himself on the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Doesn't matter what they say, what they figure out, and by they I mean the world and all the ignorance out there and their conceived ways of manipulation. No, we are to be people that walk by faith. He's just so much said that he's been explaining that, in fact, by the the last 10 chapters, right? Exhorting us in these things because eternity lies in the balance. It ain't no joke. You know, we don't just come here for a Bible study time. This is doctrinal truth that we need to have saturate our body, our being, our fibers that When asked a question, we have the answer of the hope that lies within us. That's how I see this. It's just getting more and more urgent. You know, these Hebrew believers, like, as you know, just kind of touched on in my prayer, they were turning back. They were going back to that sacrificial system. They were getting tempted back by the barbecue smell and by how they'd been raised in those traditions of the temple. And it was like, well, I know Jesus, you know. And and it already talked about in, in chapter 10 about how they had suffered reproaches and tribulations in verse 33. They, they, they had believed, and they were suffering for it. I'm sure they had lost their jobs. Some of them had lost their families. They were ostracized from the worship community. And now they were starting to go, well, you know, can't we have Jesus and... What, you know, I mean, that wasn't, yeah, you know, I can, I can have both sides of the fence. 
And the author is saying, no, no, don't do it. In fact, let's pick up in chapter 10, verse 35, we just read through where he says, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise, the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul, God's soul, has no pleasure in him. But we, okay, church, we are not of those who draw back to perdition, to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. See, that's what's in the balance here. That's why the author is, um, it, you know, it, it has written such a long letter to us. And we have spent weeks going through it and, and trying to just, man, soak it up, get it, and give it, and, and walk in it. Because it is about the saving of our souls. And he's saying, man, it, this is the concern. Don't cast off. Don't put away the confidence that you have in Jesus and go back to an old covenant. Let me just say in our room, an old religion, an old way of thinking. We all had BC days, right? Before Christ days. And now the warning is don't go back there. Don't let you, don't think you can have your Christ and eat it too. Cake and eat it too. You know what what I'm trying to say, you know. It's like you got to watch that, right? Because God has fulfilled his promise. He has sent his Redeemer, the Redeemer, right? He's fulfilled it, right? And those who would be found just or justified are those who walk by faith, not by sight. And remember, justified is the only way that we will get to stand before God because justified is a word that means just as if you never did it. Did what? Sinned, did any wrong. We have that covering, that righteousness in Christ Jesus. Absolute justification. Just as if we never did anything wrong. You know how pure that is? How perfect that is? How righteous that is? And that's the covering of robe that we have on today in Christ. Now, you cast that robe off, you change your clothes... What do you have? What do you have to go before God in? I, I, I'm going to let you answer it. You should be able to. We've been studying it for 10 chapters, right? you got nothing. If anyone draws back, God has no pleasure in him. Now, again, the author is confident that we are not of that type. And, he, and notice that he says we. He includes himself in this. I'm not going to draw back. I don't want you to draw back. It, he's, he's coming as that teacher authority right now and saying, Let, look, let's not do this, right? We need to walk by faith, believing, believing what Christ has done, what God has done first in delivering his Redeemer to us and revealing him to us, and now we need to hold fast to that. And I love this, man. It, it, that's why he's going to spend now a whole chapter, and I really want to get through this in a timely manner, But this whole chapter is all about faith. What he's just told us we need to walk by. He's going to spend... Well, we broke it up into a chapter, you understand. But he's going to spend all this time talking about the faith we need to have. And and then he's going to go to chapter 12 and talk about 
the hope that we have to have as believers. And then he's going to conclude in chapter 13 by talking about the love that we have in Christ Jesus. Faith, hope, and love. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians talks about them, right? These three endure. They, they last till the end. But when it's all said and done, love is what endures forever. Why is that? Well, because our faith, it's, it's, it's going to be completely fulfilled in our salvation, in that moment when we stand before Christ in heaven. Our hope, absolutely satisfied. Everything we've been waiting for, wanting, looking towards, done deal, in heaven. In heaven, before the throne of love. The atmosphere that we will live in, continuously, into eternity then. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why? Because love is where we will live that was a, an amazing thought. Just to, and it's, and it's not like the fuzzy kind of love, like, ooh, she's cute. You know, it's not that kind of, you know, we all were there one time. Or, I'm still there. Jen, I love you. And, um, but that, this, it's not, that's kind of, it's agape love. It's talking about God's love. And, and that's where we're going to live forever, right? But today, as he just said, we need endurance, To be able to stand, having done all, stand, Ephesians chapter 6, right? The armor of God we got to put on. So he says we need to have this endurance. And in fact, that endurance, it doesn't just mean like it's patience, but it is cheerful patience. And the word actually breaks down in the Greek to mean to stay under, to remain, to bear it. We need to bear, man, the idea of faith a life of faith, walking in Christ, as this world bombards us, our flesh, flesh warns, wars against it, and Satan would try to take us out in any one of his deceptive, manipulative, cr- like creepy, secretive ways that he slides into the armor's chink, right? To this, that little hole that's in there. And so he, he's saying, we're in need of endurance, Because there's two roads, faith and flesh. And you better be in the right one. You know, walking by faith. And and again, it's a battle for us, right? So the focus today, faith. First 10 chapters, doctrine. The superiority of why now the therefore in verse 35 of chapter 10. Don't cast all that away. Do not cast away the superiority of Jesus Christ and everything and anything you've ever believed and known before because this is it. Now, walk in faith. Well, what does that look like? Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Man, this is not, not so much a, a definitive definition of faith, but it is absolutely like, it's like the essence or the, the description of the characteristics of faith. What is it to really walk by faith? And in fact, he's going to give us all these examples of the elders. And when he says the elders, he's talking about the Old Testament elders. Those men and women who didn't have Jesus Christ, didn't have the Spirit of God in them, upon them. Well, some of them had him upon, like Samson. That's what you know, he was able to do with his strength when it, God came upon him. But 
They didn't have the assurance of the, I know that I know that I know I'm saved, right? That we have by faith in what Christ has done. And, and this is what this whole book is, has taught us, is the proof of the superiority and believing in him, believing in that, right? And so, I, you know, I, I break this down a little bit and I don't want to take too long with it, but I know that somebody out there is struggling with their faith. Why do I know that? Because no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. And when I was a new believer, especially, I struggled with my faith. Why am I not working, walking, living, thinking the way I'm supposed to all the time, the way that the word would call me to all the time? I Didn't it work? Is it not working for me? And I struggled with it. And yet, here, here is all the answer. Here are all the struggles listed. And I encourage you, because I'm going to go through this book as fast as I can, take your time and read through these examples, because you will find everything within your character, soul, and existence and experience that you can then be ministered to by God's Spirit saying, this is you, and this is how they conquered that. You have even more of the power within you to conquer it, my brother, my sister, my son, my daughter. Sorry, that would be God talking to you. Right? So take that time to go back. But look at this description. What is faith? Right? Now, this is the Living Bible's translation of it. And I just like this because it kind of, you know, Living Bible kind of, you know, adds those words in there to kind of bring a little bit more clarity in, in our, you know, homeboy language. So it says this in verse one What is faith? It is the confident assurance of something we want is, something we want is going to happen. Something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it ahead. That is what the Living Bible, how it describes it, right? So again, my struggle, do do I even have faith, right? Or do I have enough faith? There's doctrine out there in the so-called Christian church that will challenge you that why what is supposed to happen isn't happening because you don't. It's bogus that you don't have enough faith. Like God somehow, you know, pulled the spout back and, you know, gave you the short end, you know. Oh, that would be a fair deal, huh? No, that's not our father. Is my faith real? Is it true faith? Is it saving faith? It's all those things. And, and so this is how it's going to break down faith, pistis, in, uh, in the Greek. That's the word, right? It means a conviction of the truth of any belief or any fact. So it's a yes. It's a yes and amen. It's an I know this, right? Now, of course, because the context of Hebrews, and in fact, all the scripture that's been leading up to this, is the superiority of Jesus Christ, the faith that our author is speaking of is faith in Jesus Christ. So it is not, and again, bogus doctrines out there. Faith is not a force. Let the force be with you. No, it's a movie. It's a fantasy. It's a lie. And yet people would believe that force is a, that the faith is a force to get you To get done what you want done. No. Faith doesn't create. Faith doesn't give. There's another doctrine out there that you need to have faith in faith. Oh, faith, help me today. See, it's like, it's so stupid. 
And yet, preachers will preach that message today and then, of course, leave you with the hollowness because you're not getting fulfilled what you are asking for, that it's because you don't have enough of that faith, to have faith in faith, of the faith that's supposed to create, which it doesn't. See, the, the lies that are out there. We also, by believe, as believers, don't walk in blind faith. Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to try and hope it works. I'm just going to step off this cliff and hope the parachute's on there. I don't, no. We, again, because it is all bringing us back to this idea of Jesus Christ being the superior, the only, the everything for faith in eternity, in life, in in who we are in salvation, he is who we're focused on. Faith is only as good as the object of it. Does, does that make sense? Is that, is that a good way to say it? My faith is only as good as the object of it. My faith then in Jesus Christ means what? All things are possible for me to accomplish, to have, and to do. By him, according to him, him the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. All things by the word of God. In fact, the author even points that out, right? It's like, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He was in the beginning. John 1.1, 1, 1, right? He is God. Nothing was made that is made that he didn't make. And by the way, he made it out of nothing. God spoke, and it was. It wasn't that God said, y'all little pieces get together and make something. No, he spoke, and it was where it wasn't. This is who we serve. This is who we have fellowship now because of Christ. Man, it's all... Attached to Jesus. Faith is the substance, the hupotasis. It means to set. It means a foundation. So faith is that substance, is that foundation. Faith in Christ, let me clarify then, is that absolute foundation that all of our hope and existence should be set on. In fact, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 3.11, there is no foundation, no other foundation can anyone lay except that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, let me just say, there are multitudes of foundations out there that you can express hope in and try to put security in. And when the storm comes, Scripture is very clear, that house will crumble. Because that foundation was sand. It was worthless, right? But the foundation of Christ will absolutely stand because he is the foundation. He is what? The rock, right? All, all the scriptures proclaim this. So faith, it, faith, faith is the substance. or It's the assurance of things hoped for. Those things hoped for are things that I trust in, that I expect to have. So I need to have endurance in that faith. And, and so look at this. It's like, even though I don't see it, I know it's coming. Even if I don't understand how, I know it's working for my good. Why? Well, because Romans 8.28 says it. Because God's word proclaims it. Yeah, but I know, but this really hurts. This is really uncomfortable. This is really... 
God's word proclaims it. See, that was my struggle when I was a new believer. I was believing the feelings and I was believing the falsehoods that I'd been programmed with. I wasn't believing the word now made life to me by the Holy Spirit now living in me. So the struggle wasn't just flesh and spirit. It was, it was putting the trust in the spirit and putting down, crucifying actually is what the word uses, my flesh daily. Now again, God is not asking me to kill myself. He's actually asking me to, in fact, live for him, which is just dying for self, right? But, but this is all that he's giving us. And he warns us, man. He, he so wants us to be walking by faith. So much so that in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 9, he actually talks by his Holy Spirit about a gift of faith. That there are times when God gives a gift of faith because he's asking you to do something that's so unreasonable, so outside of your understanding, so outside of, I, I, I just can't even believe that God is doing this this way. That he says, you know what? Here's an extra shot of faith by my Holy Spirit so that you can get through this. I remember when Janice and I, the Lord was drawing us to move to Chicago from L.A. I flew to Chicago. I had one day, well, I had a weekend, so I had a Saturday because I was able to meet with some people for a job to get there some way of making a living. And I had one other day, Sunday afternoon after church because I was going to find a church because you don't move without a church. Or that's really foolishness. And that's another study. But after church, I had 16 houses that a realtor was taking me to look at. 16 houses in one day. And I found one. And of course, it was number 15 on the list. And I knew it. But she had programmed my journey this way down through the south suburbs of Chicago. And so we get there and it's like, this is it. This is the house. I knew it was the house. That's why I sent you a picture of this house. I, this is everything that we need that I know God is leading us to. So by faith, I put a deposit on it. We signed the contracts, you know, put the earnest money. I fly back to LA and I'm telling Jan, okay, this is the house I bought you. Hope you like it one day. And, um, and she eventually did. It took about seven years, but it, it went okay. And anyway, uh, but I'm back in LA and, you know, a few weeks, so we're selling the house. We're trying to sell the house in LA, but in a few weeks later, I get a phone call. Hey, Somebody is bumping you off the house in Chicago. What do you mean somebody's bumping me off the house? Well, you put a contingency on it. My contingency was that I would sell my house in L.A. so I could buy the house in Chicago. Because I really don't want to own two houses. I really can't own two houses. Artists don't really have that kind of financial security kind of thing going on. So it was like impossible. There's no way I can own two houses. What am I going to do? Well, you need to take that contingency off. Otherwise, the owner can bump you and accept the other guy's offer. Great. We're already into this weeks. I got no time and no money to fly back to Chicago to try any other deal. So what do I do, God? Looked in his word. He gave me the confidence, the trust in him, the gift of faith to take the contingency off. I'm now going to own two houses. No, of course I don't. Because God knew what would happen and how it would happen. So he sold my house in L.A. We ended up moving to Chicago. And there's the story as, as the journey of our faith began. But, but this is all what he does in so much wanting us to walk by faith, having peace that surpasses the understanding of a moment and just having us be there, right? 
It's, now, faith in itself is a gift from God. Ephesians, Ephesians tells us that, 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved. Now, check it out. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. My gosh, what if I don't have faith? And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, what's the gift of God? The grace or the faith? Both. Because Romans backs it up, Romans 12, 3, by telling me that God has indwelt, or he's given to every man, every woman, a measure of faith. So everybody gets it. Everybody gets it, and what you do with it depends on where you are in relationship with him. Where do you put your faith? Right? It's, it's just like faith is like the spiritual eyes that we get to see or sense the invisible realm, the supernatural. Just like our physical eyes are how we get to see the material realm and the earthly world. It's, it's that same thing. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is who we're supposed to be. Men and women who are always looking for that supernatural. Seeing the invisible in the visible sense of how we understand God now using us, working in us, and working through us. Living a supernatural life. Walking by faith. Not just by sight. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 6. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in this body, our spirits live here, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. Oh, there he is quoting Habakkuk, just like our author just did in Hebrews, right? We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, we will be pleasing to him. See, that's our game. We are to be pleasing to God. How, am I, how can I really be pleasing to God? Oh, let's just jump ahead. A few verses. Verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you hope you're going to heaven? Do you hope that when your spirit leaves this body, you hope God has one for you waiting? His word says he does. So you should be confident in that fact. I should be expecting it any moment. Right? Bible hope is assured hope. It's not... I hope so, hope. No, why? Well, we can have that confidence because as this whole, as just this one whole book has proven, God has given his promises. He has fulfilled them. Of course, this promise, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, there's the word faith, in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's an absolute assurance statement. That's not a, you might be saved. We're hoping you're saved. No, that is, you will be saved. That's a promise from God. If you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart, 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this is what it says in the next verse, though, verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Faith is supposed to steer us up. It provokes us to act, right? True faith demands a response. I've said it before. I remember that little catchphrase. I don't know. I heard it in a teaching once. I'm just like, man, that's good. That sticks. That's portable, transportable. I can't remember how Pastor Michael says it, but that just stuck with me. True faith demands a response. You will respond to what you believe in this morning, how you believe, right? And so with the, the mind, you determine. You're going to trust in God. You're going to turn to him. You hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And you repent. I want a life in the spirit. I want God's spirit. I want to live with him. I want life now with him. I confess. The mouth confession is made into salvation. And then that salvation, though, needs to enter your heart. And with your heart then, right, you believe unto righteousness, which means then now I respond by acting righteously and righteousness righteously is a big word that just means right now those from my era back in the you know back in the 60s you know we had groovy and we had right on you know and right on meant you're doing the right thing that's true right on so it just means that by what you're saying with your mouth your body now your actions now your soul and spirit will now walk in the rightness of faith in jesus christ his spirit now dwelling in me and me being a child of God. And I'm going to rightly act like that's my daddy. And I'm a citizen, a member of the family. That's what it's saying, man. I remember when I was first a believer. So this is the new believer stuff. And you've all hopefully got these testimonies, right? Um, I hadn't been saved. I don't even know how long. And I I was working for a heathen dog pig. It was a great studio in L.A. I got the job before I was even out of school, so it was an amazing opportunity. Just like the guy had me working on his $100,000 accounts right from day one. It was an amazing opportunity for an illustrator fresh out of school. And so we, we, get, we get into this. It was, it was a couple years I'd been working for him now, I think, already. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know, one day, uh, you know, the, um, the IRS is kind of questioning um, this you know, this equipment I have and stuff. So I need you to say that, um, like, like you purchased it for working here at the business. And I'm like, um, I can't do that. Why not? Because I'm a Christian and I can't lie. Oh, all right. And so I don't know what he did, but he figured out another plan. But I said, no. But in my heart, I was like, you got to be kidding. You know, I mean, I know this guy ain't walking in no righteousness, but now he's asking me to lie to the IRS, and, and this is like, this is wrong. And so I immediately started asking the Lord, can I leave? Can I, like, quit my job? No, I didn't just walk out and quit the job, because why? I'm a new believer, and so all I know is I want God's will, and I don't want to just be running my own ship here, right? And so I asked the Lord, can I quit the job? And so... We, Janice and I, were, we were going to a Bible study with a bunch of other believers, and it was on a Friday night. And so what we were doing, because at that time we had Leah, our firstborn, and so it was like we took turns watching the kids. And so I was watching the kids, and there was three kids I had to watch, and they were all in bed. And so everybody else was at the study, and so Leah couldn't have been more than two. 
she must have been at least two. But anyway, we're over there, and I don't have a date, but I got a scripture. Because I'm reading my Bible, and, and all of a sudden I come across 2 Corinthians 6.14. Now, I'm a new believer, so I read this, and it says, Do not be unequally yoked with a non-believer. Light and darkness have no fellowship with each other. How can you worship Baal and God at the same time? And God just said to me, quit the job. Now, that was, uh, uh, I'm going to say, three months after this whole camera IRS lie to the government kind of an issue. And so I just thought, and, and I'd never, I hadn't sat through studies and, and heard people talk about 2 Corinthians 6.14 being about unbeliever, you know, don't marry an unbeliever and about wedding and marriage. I'd never heard any of that. All I knew is when I read that verse, it slapped me in the face and God said, quit your job. That was Friday night. I tried to get a hold of my boss all day Saturday, and I couldn't reach him. Finally, Sunday after church, I get a hold of my boss. He's at the studio. Can I come down and talk to you? Sure. Drive down to the studio, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to renew my contract with you. Oh, really? Why not? I just feel like I'm, I, need to, uh, I, I need to move on. Well, now I'm not going to cast pearls before swine, so it doesn't do no good to like start talking about what God has just done in my life and revealing scripture to me. And I'm just telling the guy, you know, it's just time for me to go. And he said, what are you going to do? You got another job? Well, no, but I just, I just need to move on. I'm just not going to do this anymore. Okay. That was Sunday. Monday morning, I am at school. I've all, God has always provided me a teaching venue, so I'm out with peeps. I'm out with people. Right. And so I'm, I'm teaching. And at lunchtime, I call home to, to talk, you know, check in with Jan because she's there you know, with Leah taking care. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? She goes, good. You know, um, Buffum's called. Now, Buffum's is a store in the whole Southern California area department store. Right. Yeah. Art director wants to talk to you. Really? OK. Give her a call back. Hey, can you come in? We've got some work for you. Friday, take Saturday off. Monday, or Sunday, Sunday it's like, quit your job. Monday, God calls up, by the way, I got work for you. I've never turned back. From that moment on, I was a freelance illustrator, and God always provided. Exceedingly abundant. Exceedingly abundant. All because of obedience to his word and faith to step out because his word me. Now, I got other examples here, but I'm not going to do them because of lack of time. But the idea that God will always confirm what you believe or feel his spirit might be telling you through his word. Always. He never contradicts his word. Never going to tell you to do anything against his word. Might use his word to tell you things that you can't believe are going to happen. And yet, by his spirit, give you the peace that surpasses the understanding to be able to step out in it. And then watch him work. Now, again, I couldn't see that happening, but that was his plan, right? Believe the words, the promises, the precepts of God, walk in them. Again, that's why it's not blind faith. It's not just like, I don't know, I'm going to take a chance. No, it is following by faith. That's what it is, not feeling the faith. Now, again, not always reasonable and rarely is it logical, (laughs) you know, but it always will be challenging Because God is trying to exercise your faith. He's trying to get you to that point of of growing spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to be able to see and to hear. Always him, right? So trust him. And again, it's a willingness. You have to give your, your free will 
over to him to be able to, to, to have this work out. Remember what it, we just read in, in Hebrews in chapter, in verse 6, right? Again, so the elders obtained the witness this way, and we're going to go through those really fast and just touch on them and how they did. And the fact that the world was created is a point of that. Now, two roads of faith, again, that it's just not faith and spirit, but when you're on that road of faith, there's either like the revelation of faith or there's the evolution kind of faith, right? Revelation of faith is the Holy Spirit wooing you. You know you're a sinner. You know you need a savior. Oh God, save me. I profess your name, Jesus. You have just had God reveal his saving grace to you and you've received it, right? Now the world comes in and goes, no, no, no. It's evolutionary faith. It's that the survival of the fittest. It's that this kind of morphed into that, kind of went into this, and then this grew out of that, and you know, then an eyeball popped out of the slime, and then that became a you know, creature that jumped out of the water. And Seriously, no proof, no evidence, no fact, theory. So you this morning are either believing the revelation of God by his spirit to you personally, or you are walking in the theory of man's thinking. And by the way, Scripture proclaims in a couple of different places that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, its way is death. This way tells me it's life. And by his spirit, I have confirmation of that. And by the life that I'm able to live by his spirit, I actually have evidence of that. Supernatural, becoming naturally experienced. It's an amazing thing. Right? That's what we want to do. In the beginning, God created, Genesis 1.1. If you can get past that without doubt or argument, then you have every bit the power to walk a life of faith. In the beginning, God. God created. That word bara means he created out of nothing. See? He made the world visible out of what wasn't visible. He didn't just take things and put them together. He said, world, and it was. If you, if you can believe that, and that he is bigger, broader, wider, deeper, and absolutely more powerful than any situation, problem, concern you have today, then you leave here joyful and absolutely trusting, and he will do it. Because why? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But watch out, right? Because the world is working against it. Now, we're going to enter in here to the Hall of Faith. We're going to go through these, like I said. And it's called the Hall of Faith because he's going to list all these elders, all these Old Testament saints, both men and women, who walked by faith. And this is what I challenge you as a believer to go through and go, oh, that's mine. Oh, that's me. Oh, wow. You know, and, 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 and see how God would minister to you as we go through these names because this is... Basically, the success of what it is to walk by faith and not by sight. All these things not only have a foundation of Jesus Christ laid under them, and even Old Testament, but they all relate back to Hebrews 11, verse 1. They absolutely do. And, and they are everything for the success. Now, okay, we already read that. Wait, sorry. Verse 4. By faith, they're all going to begin that way. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain 
through which he obtained the witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift, and through it, he, bringing, he being dead still speaks. Abel, first son of God. You remember the story, the scenario. Don't want to go through the whole thing, but just remind you how Cain killed Abel because he was jealous. They were brothers. Abel's older. Cain came up. He's like, I don't like this guy. And now he offers to God, he worships God by offering a lamb from his herd. Abel was a, a, a sheep herder guy, shepherd, right? And he offers a, 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 an animal to God. God receives it. Cain offers fruit of the land. He was a farmer and he offers grains and stuff. God receives Abel's and it's likened unto him as righteousness. God rejects Cain's. And says it's not going. Now, why? Because not only was Cain, did Cain offer it first, but later on when we get to the law, there's actually a grain offering that's part of the offerings that the Jews do. So what was so bogus about Cain's offering? And, and people say, well, because Abel's was blood. You know, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And well, there's some of that playing into it. But this is, here's the answer right here. It says it. First two words. By faith, by faith, Abel offered something that, although he was called to tend to it, it wasn't his, it was life. And he took it in honor of worshiping God. Cain brought what his flesh had, had planted, had tended to, had harvested, and offered it to God and saying, here's what I've done for you. God rejected it. And remember, he warned Cain at that time, buddy, sin is waiting at the door for you. It's crouching. It's ready to pounce. But you, you should rule over it. In other words, both men had equal access to God. They were the sons of Adam. They knew him. But when it came to worshiping him, one came by faith and one came by flesh. And God won't honor the flesh. In fact, it even says in the scriptures that flesh will not stand before him. It, we, no flesh will glory in him. We, we'll stand in, in that kind of glory. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not sense and was not found. Because why? He had, because why? God had taken him, translated him, taken him out of the, play, out of, out of the world, right? For before he was taken, he had, his, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch, one of the two men in scriptures that never experienced death. The other one, Elijah. But by faith, Enoch was taken away. Well, how is that possible? Well, because he had this testimony. He pleased God. Well, how do you please God? Let's just go through it one more time. Next verse. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch walked with God by faith and, and diligently saw him, and God was pleased with that. Do you please God? This, again, this is a picture of Jesus Christ, who always did what pleased the Father, the Scripture says. Do you please God? Well, I don't know. Let me ask you, are you walking by faith? Are you living? Are you working? Are you worshiping? That was Abel. By faith. Because that is what pleases God. Anything else? Nope. Not pleased with. Right? 
Be anxious for nothing, it says in Philippians 4, 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We are not to be influenced by unbelief, by fear, by anxiety, but lift everything to the Father and let him give us peace to know that we are pleasing to him by how we are exercising our lives, our faith, and walking that way, right? And Enoch walked with God. That's how he exercised his faith. Just, and, and, and walking with God, again, it is, it is fellowship with God. It is, it is following him, walking with him, conversing with him, life with him. How much more do we have that being in Christ, Right? And the warning, of course, is that without faith, it's not just difficult to please God or challenging to please God. It is impossible to please God. Impossible? Scripture even says what's not possible with man is possible with God. Again, the gifting he gives us, the promise that no temptation will ever overtake us that is not common to man, but God is faithful who will always provide a way of escape. So I'm to be spiritually eyed looking, spiritually eared listening for that way of escape because he's faithful. And if I take it, if I walk in faith of what he's delivered to me, that pleases him. I'm pleasing to him. Right? That is what it's so all about. That's why Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.7 that our faith is more precious than gold. To God, because, why? because gold eventually does perish. But our faith, the end of it, is the salvation of our souls. John tells us that. Man, it, it, it's the most precious thing to God that we would walk this way. And then you got faith, the faith of Noah. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he commanded the world, he, you know, he condemned, sorry, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So by faith, Noah built a boat, huge boat, in the middle of the desert because God told him it was going to rain. What's rain? This was antediluvian. This was before the flood. This is like there had never been a raindrop. I'm going to make it rain, build a boat. And, and all Noah did, and why did he do it? Note that there's a little key in there. With, the, with godly fear, he listened. God told him what to do. Didn't seem reasonable. Wasn't logical. In fact, downright kind of ridiculous. Build a giant boat in the middle of the desert because it's going to rain. <laughs> the result of his obedience was the salvation of his whole family. What is God asking you to do to be, to example, by faith, that your whole household might be saved? And you single people, and you're like, well, I don't have kids yet. It's like, no, your whole household. What's the testimony and the witness that you have by being here, by being part of this, by being part of God's plan, by walking by his spirit, that your family is watching and going, that's not the same kid we raised. That's not the same person I used to know. That's not the same man I married. That's not the same woman that I walked down the aisle. What is God saying 
about those little ones that are looking at mom and dad and going, wow, that's really weird how dad knew to do that. Walked in wisdom, followed God. This is all what it's saying. And because Noah did that, man, his whole household was saved. So again, this is all, again, laid on Jesus Christ, right? The, the worship that Abel gave by faith, you know, for that relationship. Enoch, the faith of walking in that relationship constantly, daily, so much that it pleased God to take him home. And Noah, to walk by faith in the work that God called him to. I don't know why. I don't know how come I'm here. But I'm going to work by faith because of what you told me is going to happen, God even though I can't see it, and I'm in this desert, and I'm building a big boat, and everybody's calling me a fool for doing it. I'm going to follow you. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Right? It's beautiful. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he walked or he waited for the city which was which has foundations, whose builder and maker is not God. Abraham, talk about living a life of faith. God says, go. Okay, where? Not going to tell you. Just go. Well, I ain't going unless you tell me. No. He goes, okay, you tell me to go, you're God, I'm going. And he got up and left. He left. And and so much did he live by faith. And we know he faltered. All these people faltered. Well, except Enoch, maybe, because he just always walked with God, it seems. But these guys all faltered just like we falter. Abraham faltered. You're all going like, well, what about Ishmael? What about that time he lied to Pharaoh? You You can go down and list them. But what the Holy Spirit's trying to show you right here and right now is the life of faith that they walked in God is what was accounted to them as righteousness and got them home to heaven. It wasn't about, oh God, I messed up. Oh no, I didn't do it right again. Oh, I blew it. No, then 1 John 1, 9, you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and, and depart the unrighteousness from you. And literally that means you go back to the beginning of that baby, just baby fresh pink flesh of pureness. On the first day you were born again. But that's what the promise is, man. Abraham truly lived. He went out in obedience. Walking by the spirit of what God had told him to do. And that's accounted to him as righteous. This is the activation of faith. What Pastor Michael says, do it and I'll show you. See, Abraham could have been like, well, as soon as you show me where I'm going, then I'll go. No, God said, go. So you go. You activate the faith without knowing. You act on what you do know, what God has told you, right? If God asks you to go, will you? Now, a lot of you have already gone. You know, I'm not going to pretend I don't know who I'm talking to here. A lot of you already went through this one experience. If you went into Ignite, you, God told you to go, and you went. And you've gotten that opportunity to go out, and then some of you come back, and then you went back, and then you came back again. Is God telling you to go? Has he given you a promise that you'll go? And you wonder why you haven't gone yet. Is it time to go yet? Because Abraham also had to wait, didn't he, for another promise to come in that of his son. And he didn't. Didn't wait, but tried to help God. And that left a problem that's been on this earth ever since. 
with the family of Ishmael, right? And in fact, that's exactly where God goes next in verse 11 when he says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him who is good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Wow. Sarah, oh lady, and God promises you're going to have a son, my son. Now, note that the promise that Sarah walked by, say, by faith, right? That she would also receive the strength to conceive seed. She, she didn't by faith conceive. She received the faith to conceive, to have a child in her old age. Abraham, his body is good as dead. Like, there ain't nothing happening in this bedroom, right? But somehow, I'm just being real. Somehow they got together and God made this promise come to happen. And she, as an old woman, was given the strength to get through that and conceive. Now, she didn't always walk, though, in that truth, right? Because she was part of that. Let's just do it this way. I got a maid. And, you know, she was part of that trying to help God out thing that went wrong. So you got to watch it, right? But... But here is so much the fact of the faith that she walked in because why it says so clearly she believed in him who had promised as being able to do it. Has God given you a promise that absolutely seems downright impossible? It'll never happen. How could it ever happen? Man, been waiting on this so long, it, it ain't going to happen. She doubted, right? There's a point where she laughed in her heart. And God busted her out. Now, even though she laughed and thought, this is too ridiculous to hope for, she still hoped. And that's why God is faithful even when we are not faithful. Even when we can go, oh, God, I don't know. It's not going to. Okay, maybe it will. Because then he gives you that gift of faith. Then he gives you that hope. And all of a sudden, the promise you never thought would come to pass came to pass. My wife in Chicago for 26 years, looking for, waiting for, trying to have some kind of a connection with the Native American population there, to have some form of ministry involvement with them. Doesn't happen. When we come here to Potter's Field, all of a sudden we have a Native American outreach. Not just in one place, not just in two places, but now in three places, being able to minister to Native Americans. Waiting and seeing the fulfillment because he who has promised is faithful. Pam... Amen? Amen. Six miles outside of town, Twin Bridges Road, God is faithful. How many years? How long the waiting? God is faithful. You stay the course. You walk in, in what's the assured blessing. These all died in faith. Oh, there's a downer. No, check it out. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For these, or for those, who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have 
opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Abraham never built a house. He lived in a tent all those years. Why? Because he was looking for the end promise of God, a home in heaven that God was going to deliver. And yet it says, if any of them would have wanted to, they could have had the opportunity to return. Any one of us, any moment has the opportunity to go, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going back. Now, God is faithful. He will leave the 99 and he will go after the one that separates himself. But don't suffer the consequence and the loss and the hurt and the shame and the pain and the needless correction of walking from the promise that God just says, will you believe? Will you believe me? Look, I've given you a whole book that shows everything I promised, everything I've already done in delivering that promise. There's just a couple more things left. And then we all get to go home and live eternity in love. Just believe, will you? That's all he's asking. And, and he's giving all these an example to say, this is what it looks like. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concerning that God was, or or concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, of, each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Do you see? It's generational, the promise. It's not just what I get today and how God deals with me, but it is always about going forward. This isn't just for me today. This is for the the, the life that Janice and I have lived by faith was so much more for our kids. And now it's for our grandkids and to watch them walk in his ways and watch him, watch them marry spouses that all walk in those ways and now watch them raise their houses up to walk in his ways. There's nothing, nothing more gratifying than that, right? John even says that. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in love, walk in truth, walk in the ways of God, right? That's what it was all for. And, and, and that, that promise to Abraham, okay, that was specific, right? But if we take it personal and we want to apply it to our lives, is there something that you love so much, so much trusting in it, that if God asks you to give it up or asks to take it back because all things good come from the Father who's above, you'll refuse? Because see, Abraham gave his son, Isaac, knowing that, concluding that, Even if God took away everything that seemed to be the promise right before him sitting on his lap, God was able to raise it up from the dead if he had to, to make it happen. Why? Because God's faithful and God doesn't mess with us. 
And if God gave you a promise, no matter what the circumstances of death look like today in that promise, God is able. Have you reasoned that? Have you concluded that out? That whatever he's asking of you today is just that waiting time for him to fulfill the promise. And if the promise is that he wants to take what you thought was almost that fullness of it, are you willing to give it? Because that's all Abraham did. He didn't actually kill his son, right? But he was willing to do it, concluding that God was well able to raise him up because he was the promised one. See, that's how we take it. That's how we apply it to our lives. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commands. These two knew God's plan for their child and were not afraid of the law of the land to disobey it, right? That's no different than the disciples saying that, hey, whether we you know, believe God or, or you know, it, it, this is what it says in Acts 4.19. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you be the judge. In other words, that was when Paul, right, right and they, the disciples were told not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. They're like, whether it's right to listen to you or God, you be the judge. But all we know, we got to tell what we know. Same thing. His parents walking by faith. Have you been challenged to shut up? And yet you have a truth that you know God would have you to share. Have you been challenged to hide something by your flesh, by the enemy, and yet you know that God would have you to reveal it because it's his plan. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So that's notable of Moses, right? He gets up, he finds out who he finally, you know, he, uh, oh my gosh, those are my people. I'm going to walk with my people. I'm going to suffer the afflictions of my people. I'm going to be martyred with them. Now check this out, though, what it says next. Esteeming the approach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. What? Wait, mind blower, Moses was looking forward to the coming Messiah, the reward of Christ. That's what Christ means. It's just the New Testament word for Messiah, Old Testament word, which means anointed one, which is Jesus. Moses was looking for Jesus. And that's why he said, I can endure this. I can do this. I will do this rather than stay in the world and, and, and get sucked into those pleasures and sin. I'm going to suffer affliction with my people because the coming reward of the promised one, man, that's what I'm living for. Wow. Moses. I don't know. They left that part out of the Ten Commandment movie. I never saw it. But this just blew my mind when you really read that one verse, 26. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Do you have that hope of heaven? Do you have the assurance of where you're going? Do you have absolute confidence in the fact that you are going there by the grace that you've received by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Because there's no other way and there's no other Messiah. By faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Moses led the people. He showed them faith in Christ. 
He put the blood on the door and the lentil of his home, that firstborn sacrificed lamb that represented the firstborn son of God, Jesus, and how he would save us. Moses led in all that as an elder who knew. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as the dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do it, were drowned. What does that represent? That represents you walking by faith and being saved as in going through the Red Sea. You remember that moment. Oh my gosh, what do we do? Oh, Red Sea opens. Let's go. Let's walk through. Egyptians, if they can do it, we can do it too. Don't try to imitate somebody else's faith. It came in on them. It consumed them. Now we're just going to finish these out. I mean, just walking through this list, I don't even have to make comment on these. They're pretty self-explanatory as we wrap it up and go to communion. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. How ridiculous is that? And yet, how great is your God to tear down any reinforced obstacle in your life, any walled block, that would keep you from his plan. How able is he, right? By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish and those who did not, with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. How great is your sin, Rahab, harlot, modern-day terminology, prostitute, that faith in what God can do in redeeming you is not greater than. There is no blackened heart in this room that right now God cannot make white as snow. And this table proves it. It shows what he gave to do it. And we are going to celebrate it together in a minute. And if you're in that place of doubt or condemnation, then right now, this morning, you can be clean, washed white as snow, because the red of what this cup of juice as Christ's blood represents. And what more shall I say? And that's how I feel like I'm amen in that, right? And you probably are amen in it too. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Japheth, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. This is all that they did, right? So these are just common guys, common men and women, and yet by faith, they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to Flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And again, you can look at this metaphorically. You can look at this literally. Literally. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. They would rather die because to die is gain. To live is Christ. But they will not, would not deny his name. Man, that is faith. Still others had trials of mockings, of scourgings, yes, and of change and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered 
about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Welcome to Christianity. No, seriously. Count the cost. Finish building. This is what he's saying. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. We now, we don't have to go through those things necessarily, but we have already the better promise. They all went through this, died and are dust today, believing that this would be able to be celebrated one day by those who were here, the generations far before. That's you and me. This isn't just a cup of juice and a piece of bread. This is a remembrance, Jesus says, of everything he did to give us this more excellent way. Right? Something better. Something better than what all that they went through, than everything else that's been lifted up, the, the temple and the angels and the sacrifices and, and the, the rituals of the priesthood and having somebody else you know, that steps in for you. Remember our high priest and that he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and that he intercedes for you and me daily in our need. Not just the need of forgiveness, which we need, but in the, in the need of need. What concerns you today? The scripture says, lift it before him. This assures us that he not only, you know, we can remember what he's done to provide that way, but he remembers us and his concern for us. Amen?